This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Friday, November 11th, Remembrance Day. The weather forecast for today, a mixture of sun and cloud this morning, but it becomes cloudier as the morning continues, and then we're looking at periods of rain. The high, 15 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, a deal has been reached in the go-bust dispute. Number two, two OPP officers charged in an alleged towing scam. Number three, John Tory will be on Moore in the Morning today to discuss the city's budget shortfall. Number four, parents now resorting to crossing the U.S. border for kids' cold medication. And number five, Toronto steps up the effort to recover dead raccoons. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Friday morning, and um, I think we'll withhold the sweet, sweet Friday just in honor of a more dignified observance of this November 11th. You know me. Ever since we launched the afternoon show in 2003, I mostly owing to a random phone call that I got from a listener when we were talking about women in combat. And the phone rings and I put a voice on and it's uh, an elderly lady. And she says, I don't think you understand you know, women in combat because women have been in combat for a long time. I was in combat in World War II and that was Dorothy Jameson who you've come to know over the years. And we lost Dorothy at the age, I think, of like 97. So I don't know that necessarily we can say she was stolen away too soon, but we lost her in 2015. But the show in the afternoon, and ever since we started this show in 2009, we have honored November 11th with audio from a whole series of interviews that I did with war veterans. And at the beginning, it was World War II veterans, and then I would get calls from people saying, hey, you know, what about Korea? And so... I remember going up to a hotel room in Markham where a Korean War veteran was meeting up with his comrades and he agreed to sit and do an interview with me. And then, you know, we got into the conflict in Afghanistan and I was talking to people in their 20s and 30s who were war veterans. So we will on off touch on this occasion today on the show but then there's a whole bunch of other news that we need to deal with so you can get your day on and i do appreciate for some people this won't be an entirely normal day there are aspects to it being a bank holiday but for the most part i think people are up and at it so uh, first of all i realize this is one of those stories that's going to be a crazy one-off thing that by noon probably nobody's going to remember but at this hour it's pretty crazy stuff and I, I can't wait for us to get cameras on the scene so we can see exactly what's going on. But we have a whole bunch of horses on the loose in Newmarket. <laughs> Thank you, Nick Mirano. And th- is that there is some tragedy here, so it's not entirely a goofball story because we had a single motor vehicle rollover, one victim found at the scene, vital signs absent. So somebody's been killed in a single motor vehicle rollover. The big question is this, and this happened incidentally on uh, Davis in Newmarket. 
did this person have a single vehicle accident and like go into a fence or a gate and set a whole bunch of horses free? Or did something go terribly wrong at some point last night and a whole bunch of horses ended up in the roadway? In which case, what a horrific situation to imagine. You're just, it's 2.45 in the morning and you're motoring along on your way out or back home or whatever it is you're doing. And all of a sudden, all these horses are in the middle of the roadway. So we'll probably learn more. And uh, at the moment, the issue seems to be wrangling the horses. And I can tell you from experience, it ain't easy. Because if these horses do not have uh, any kind of a harness on or a bridle, which in all likelihood they didn't, then effectively they're going to have to be lassoed. We're going to have to do some good old-fashioned cowboy action or cowgirl action. It's going to be, I mean, it's happening at the Royal Winter Fair, and it's going to be happening up in Newmarket. And horses are fairly wiggy creatures. They're like, you know, 2,000-pound cats. They, I, I know there's a lot of people out there who absolutely love and adore horses, and, you know, every 13-year-old girl in particular. But I have to say, based on my experiences with horses uh, over the last few years, they, they're, they're shifty creatures. And as a matter of fact, when you get into a closed space with them, you got to watch out because, first of all, you know, they could kick you, which is a fairly rare affair, but it happens. Or they can just sort of on their way to get some hay or some water, all of a sudden you're being crushed up against a wall. So you always got to be on the lookout. And so this is going to be an interesting situation. And with first light of day, I guess we'll know more about exactly what's going on. But it's definitely a bit of a wiggy affair this morning in Newmarket. Then there is, does this qualify as breaking news? Uh, well, just Kieran was talking about it in the newscast, but we got a deal. Well, I don't know, we got a deal, but there is a deal. Go Transit workers have reached a tentative deal with Metrolinx and unfortunately didn't happen in time for bus service to re uh, resume today. Uh, bus service will resume tomorrow. So that's excellent news. And for the provincial government, you know, it's one thing off the table, because what Doug Ford and company want to do is wrap up all of the sort of irritant files. So they've got to deal with Metrolinx and go. Now they hopefully will arrive at a deal with the education workers. Then they move on to the next tranche of workers. But I imagine if they get a deal with the education workers, then it won't be that hard to reach a deal with the teachers. Get all that labor stuff off the table. Then they can start sinking their teeth into other issues, including the green belt. And also, you know, the... Uh, getting a move on on construction and some of those projects. I don't think the Bradford Bypass is controversial. If you're in that neighborhood, perhaps you can let me know if you think that's a horrible thing and it's going to eat up all kinds of wetland and farmland. But I think the Bradford Bypass, if you look at a map, makes sense. The brand new freeway is a much more controversial affair. And with frequent accusations that the provincial conservatives are a little too cozy with developers. People are somewhat jaundiced about the 413. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's great news, first of all, just to, you know, to wrap up yet another uh, labor issue. John Tory's going to be on the show this morning at um, 635. And he's going to be here to talk about some rather dire warnings he was giving yesterday, where he was talking about 
Toronto's budget shortfall, which is not a surprise. We've known about this figure for a while. Generally, the figure's been pegged at around $875 million. But he's ramping up his campaign for the provincial and federal governments to drop some money on Toronto in order to make up the difference. Because, of course, Toronto cannot run a deficit. Cities can't run deficits. That's what they're mandated to do, is balance the budget. In which case, what's he to do? Uh, As he said yesterday, he can either raise taxes or cut services. But I have, at the risk of tipping my hand, because I know he's listening right now, but John Tory's no fool. He's been doing politics and business for, you know, decades. So I think he knows where my line of questioning is going to go. But if you run on a platform of, and, and he's done it now three times, of only raising taxes at or below the rate of inflation, that's a very attractive thing to promise your voters and your constituents. But if you can't balance your budget, then aren't you just kind of underselling things? All right, John Moore from News Talk 1010 joins us now to talk about what's happening in Toronto and the surrounding area. And of course, John, I looked at uh, today's story and I couldn't believe this, but there were horses on the highway in Newmarket this morning. Yeah, there's going to have to be some kind of a corralling. We have, I mean, it's not entirely a funny story. There are a whole bunch of horses on the loose, apparently, on Davis in Newmarket. Uh, But this started, at least for the police, with a 911 call to report a single vehicle rollover and one person was found dead at the scene. So the big question would be, were the horses set loose by this car accident or were they the cause of this collision? Um, But it's definitely going to take some time. Uh, We've certainly got some calls out to some farms in the area to ask people what's going on and uh, whose horses these are. But if they are unbridled, which is likely, it's going to take some serious old-fashioned cowboy action to round them up. Yeah, for sure. We are looking at a live look of the scene right there. Police are on scene trying to figure out um, uh, the cause of this crash. But again, I guess uh, there are horses loose in that area. Something for people to keep in mind. Okay, on to the next story, uh, John. Uh, A deal, a tentative deal has been reached with uh, Go and its uh, transit workers. This is good news for the thousands of Ontarians who use GoBus service. Also good news, I think, for the provincial government because they want to try to get these labour disputes off their table. We don't know what the details are, but there is a tentative deal with the Go workers, and this strike had suspended bus service, not train service or the Up Express, but still, it was a major inconvenience to a lot of students and workers. Unfortunately, the deal didn't happen in time for today, so service only resumes tomorrow. Okay, but at least uh, a tentative deal is on the table, which is certainly good news for commuters. Um, On to this next story now. Two OPP officers finding themselves in a bit of trouble here. Over the last few years at News Talk 1010, CP24 and other news outlets, we've been covering this uh, situation with tow truck operating companies and sometimes independent operators. And there's a lot of skullduggery. I mean, people have been murdered. Trucks have been set on fire. There has been a lot of acrimony. Mostly it's because it's a bit like being a, a fisherman. I mean, you go out and you hope for cars that need to be towed. And when they they happen, you need to be tipped off if you really want to do better business. So the suspicion is two OPP officers now have been busted in a scam where effectively they were taking kickbacks in in order to tell somebody who was in distress or who had had an accident uh, who they should be hiring to tow their trucks uh, or cars. And of course, none of this has been proven in court, but it's always a bit of an unfortunate situation when police officers are up on charges. Yeah, for sure. John Tory now onto this one, asking for funding from both levels of government, federal and provincial, uh, to help deal with uh, budget shortfall. The problem
problem here is, is that Toronto is a budget shortfall and is mandated not to run a deficit. So John Tory is out banging the drum trying to get money from Queen's Park and from Ottawa. He'll appear on our show this morning. He certainly did a bit of a media tour late yesterday afternoon as well, but he'll make his arguments as to why other governments should bail out Torontonians when Torontonians actually pay relatively low taxes. We'll see how that goes. I know this is something that he's been pushing for, um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, on to this final story now, uh, Monopoly highlighting our city, Toronto. Finally, Monopoly, the game that actually began in Atlantic City, and there are all kinds of versions of Monopoly, even the Simpsons have one in Springfield, but this is a Monopoly which will include Toronto landmarks, the CN Tower, Canada's Wonderland, uh, the Eaton Centre, Ripley's Aquarium, all kinds of streets and other sites, and actually this is a charity effort that is going to support 11 charities across the city, but it's just kind of fun to have a Monopoly game you can play where it's all about your own town. Yeah, especially walk down your own neighborhood. All right. Um, thank you so much, John. Always nice chatting with you. All right. There we are with our uh, morning feature, What Toronto's Talking About, on our sister TV station, CP24. If you were tuned in, and uh, it's always funny when people say, I see you on TV, and I think, okay, the only time I'm on TV is at 5.15 in the morning, so you must be an early riser. But then I find out quite frequently it's because somebody went to the gym and they were on a treadmill, and they saw it, but they didn't hear it because it just happened to be a monitor in the background. Uh, but anyway, it's always uh, nice to be seen, and if you were watching this morning, you can see I'm wearing a suit. And that is because it is November 11th, which changes the complexion of a few things today. Certainly on our show, I mean, we're not holding a funeral mass or anything, but there's a certain degree of respect that you want to pay on November 11th and a certain tone that you want to set. So some of the features, if you've been with us for the long journey that you've heard in the past, we'll revisit again today, including Dorothy Jameson's famous poem. And every time we play that poem, People say, I want a copy of it. Well, we've actually posted it on our website, and you can find that at Newstalk1010.com. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those old-fashioned poems that kind of flies up the nose, I suppose, of some. But Dorothy Jameson was a sergeant in the Second World War, so she kind of, kind of got to call the tune no matter what was happening. And it's just all about how you need to pay your respects to veterans. And I would say on this November 11th, not just, we always reflect, you know, on this occasion on the increasingly frail old men and women from World War II, but... You know, uh, the people from World War One are no longer with us. The final veteran of World War One is gone. Uh, World War Two, we lose literally in the thousands, um, uh, you know, every other day. But always reflect upon those who have served, be it as peacekeepers in Korea, Afghanistan, where we lost 159 people. Uh, veterans are not just telling stories from black and white images in the 1940s. They are, to this day, in uniform and still on the front lines quite frequently. It's 528. We're going to have the half-hour headlines in just a moment. And honestly, I said it was a big news day, and it is. So we're going to dig into a whole bunch of other stories on the other side. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 
537. I suppose it would be inappropriate to say happy Remembrance Day, so I'll have to think of uh, some sort of a greeting. But there are a lot of rituals we'll be going through on our show, but through the life of our city and across Canada. This morning, the first light comes to Newfoundland, so there are commemorations there. That is the very first commemoration in Canada. But then you have the sunrise service at Mount Pleasant Cemetery, um, which I have attended in years where we're not doing the show. You know, um, trying to remember how many years ago it was that it was occurring on either a Saturday or Sunday, and I turned out for that. And it's a beautiful ceremony because the sun is rising, and it's a very somber place. And you got the bagpipes and the people in uniform, and John Tory comes, and then John Tory is going to be back for another commemoration at Old City Hall. One of the most stirring things that happens on this day, I think, is that as the sun rises at Sunnybrook, where there are veterans, some of whom have actually been at that hospital since they came home from war, they'll look out the windows and flags, small, those little tiny paper Canadian flags will have been planted in the thousands on the lawns around Sunnybrook Hospital. And it's such a simple gesture, but sometimes simple gestures can make a huge difference. Uh, I'm going to be going to Mount Pleasant ceremonies today uh, because I was invited by John Wright, who you know of as a pollster, but he's actually an honorary colonel in the Air Force. And so last year I was there, and this year he said, how about you come and you and my wife Jen can plant one of the, or can lay one of the wreaths, which is a, quite a high honor. And it's going to be in memory of William Barker. William Barker, actually the most decorated aviator in Commonwealth history, was a very, very good friend, perhaps best friends, with Billy Bishop. And... Um, ultimately died in a plane crash in 1939, and his funeral was actually one of the biggest funerals in Toronto's history. And he is entombed inside the mausoleum at Mount Pleasant, and on November 11th, they open the door to it, and you can go in. And if you're not familiar yet with this ritual, because I know there's always people who say, you know, after November 11th, we should continue to wear the poppy. What you're supposed to do is go to a commemoration and then you take off your poppy and you leave it behind. And in this case, um, I'll be leaving my poppy inside the enclosed and unusually locked tomb of uh, William Barker. So uh, that'll be my day. I hope whatever happens today, you have a few minutes to pay tribute. It is worth noting that uh, there are certain things that are going to be happening today. For example, the TTC comes to a halt at 11 o'clock for two minutes. So the streetcars, the buses, the subways, everything stops for those two minutes. And I always urge people, don't be the guy who forgets what's going on and you're sitting in back of a streetcar that is stopped for two minutes at 11 o'clock in the morning and you're wailing on the horn because you're all mad because somebody's standing in your way. So the DTC is operating under a regular schedule today. There is that pause at 11 o'clock. Um, let's see. Um, actually, worth noting, when it comes to public transit, if you're a member of the Canadian Armed Forces of any era, if you're in uniform, then you are exempt from paying for TTC and GO today. So you can get to and from whatever commemorations you want to get to so long as you're in uniform. Uh, Canada Post mail collection and delivery is halted today.
so I won't be getting all of my real estate pamphlets. Uh, students attending classes on a regular schedule today. Uh, big retailers like Loblaws, No Frills, Metro, actually all doing their regular business hours. Uh, but the LCBO and beer stores won't open until noon. And federally and provincially regulated services like Service Canada and banks are going to be closed today. So effectively, it's a banking holiday. Okay, so... I've just got so many stories in front of me today, it's kind of hard to uh, prioritize them. Because a lot of them are very important, some of them are compelling, a few amusing. Um, but you know, normally in a newscast or on a show, what you do is you start with the most important thing and you work your way down. Today it's hard to establish what would the most important story be, because it depends on who you are. Um, if you use Go Bus, then it is of extraordinary importance that they have reached a deal. It's a tentative deal, but in all likelihood, they rarely... It happens probably like 1% of the time that the union reps reach a deal and then they take it to the rank and file and the rank and file says, screw that noise, we're voting no. So in all likelihood, that particular labor issue is off the table. Rob Cormier is the union boss over at ATU. I'm proud to announce that after seven long months and four days of strike, we've reached a tentative agreement with Metrolinx. As many of you know, for four days, we've been out on the picket line striking. We've seen a great movement from the labor, uh, our affiliates. This couldn't have been done by ourselves. We've had help from the international. Many, many, many people. This has been a tough road, but we're at the end right now. So very proud moment. Now, at the heart of this were demands, and we have absolutely no idea what the tentative deal is, but going into negotiations, the union had three major demands, that Metrolinks hire more full-time employees, that it figure a way around what are called spread times, where workers have to wait uh, mid-shift in their buses, and uh, they also wanted to strengthen the language, is what they said, around contracting out jobs. But the wait times is, you know, of course that's going to be a workplace issue, right? It's kind of like the school bus drivers who do not get paid for commuting to where the bus is stored, to inspecting the exterior of the bus, inspecting the interior of the bus, and then they hit their route and start the clock. And then what happens? And there's no real way around this, but it has to be recognized as a split shift and compensated fairly because you do the morning drive and then you go off and do something else, I guess, or rest or whatever. But then you got to be on the afternoon drive and then you got to take the bus back. If you're doing your job, you got to inspect the interior to make sure there are no forgotten sleeping children. You got to make a quick pilot like uh, check of the bus to make sure that it's going to be ready to rock in the morning hours. And then you get in your car and go home. Then we get to all of the, and again, like I said, if you don't use Go Bus service, you probably couldn't care less about that labor dispute being off the table. Uh, but if you have need of a hospital or children's cold medication, then this is a paramount story this morning. Uh, we have parents who are going to the United States now in order to pick up um medications for kids with colds and flu. And so it's this crazy situation where the shelves are bare here. And so now people are going down and going store to store to store in the U.S. to see if they can find the stuff. And of course, the more of Canadians who do that, the less likely it is you're going to have any luck. We don't find Tylenol, we don't find nothing. So this Saturday I'm going to Buffalo get fear. 
I decided on my own terms to go to the States, to Buffalo, and they had a few bottles left. Meanwhile, we have uh, the government insisting, health officials insisting that the medications are on the way. Uh, the office of Jeanne Duclos, who is the federal minister of health, actually didn't respond to questions from the media yesterday. And in particular, people were saying, listen, this is not a new thing. You know, this has been going on since last spring, for Pete's sake, which is something one doctor observed to our friends at CTV. It's been gone for like, uh, what, three months now? So it's definitely a supply problem. And the one th argument we have to take off the table, I know it, it's very fun when you come across a really intriguing talking point and you just keep dropping it into one piece of coverage after the other. But this is not because of bilingual labels. The government days ago waived requirements of bilingual labels. So as they scrounge around in the U.S. and other countries trying to find wholesale availability of these drugs, it's not that they say, oh, and by the way, can you relabel them before you send them? That's not happening. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. All right, sometimes in the five things you need to know, we touch on something we haven't touched on yet in the show, and you probably go, say what? Need to know more. Uh, dead raccoons. The city has a, um, an unfortunate plethora, or surfeit, of dead raccoons. And the problem is this distemper, which apparently takes about 20 days and is often, if not always, fatal. It's not something that humans necessarily need to worry about. Like the raccoon is not going to run up and bite you and give you distemper. However, they become disoriented. Often it's almost, almost like they're drunk. But they can, if they are cornered, and you heard this story yesterday morning of a guy who ended up in conflict with a raccoon, they can get aggressive on occasion, and then they die. And unfortunately, the calls have been going in to 311, and people have been calling animal control and saying, I have a dead raccoon. What am I supposed to do with it? you got to come and get it. And the raccoons just lie there dead in people's backyards and on public sidewalks and in gutters. And the city has actually received more than 900 requests across the city. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean there are 900 dead raccoons, because you could have 10 people calling in about the same dead raccoon on a street corner. But still, there are a lot of dead raccoons out there. And so the city has launched an effort where I guess, I don't know exactly what they're doing. Maybe I'll ask John Tory when he joins us at 635 this morning. I mean, does this mean that the receptionist at Animal Control has been dispatched with a pair of gloves and a shovel and a bag to go and pick up these raccoons. I know it's kind of disgusting, but it's also disgusting that there are a whole bunch of dead raccoons. And the recovery time, the response time, is supposed to be 48 hours. It's currently 12 to 14 days. Well, John, on October 26, so I took this photo walking down the street in my neighborhood. It was a garbage bag with a duct tape sign on it that just says, Dead Raccoon. The city was called on October 13th. So it was 13 <laughs> days and it was just sitting there on the curb on Windermere. Oh, dear. <laughs> Okay, and when I go on in Rosedale Valley Road, I mean, a lot of that is not distemper necessarily. It's probably just raccoons that ran into the street and got run over. But, yeah, a raccoon can lie by the side of the road for a good long time. And am I the only one? You can easily confirm this uh, strange reading that I have at 7 10, 10. That's how you can text us on this or any, any other topic. But 
it just seems to me that squirrels are running into the street a lot more in the last couple of weeks. And I would imagine, because they seem to be busier in the backyard as well, and certainly the dog alerts us to that on a regular basis. But I guess maybe they're out gathering their nuts, burying their nuts, they're getting ready for winter. And the number of times on smaller streets that I've had to come to a stop and then sit there while this squirrel deliberates over which sidewalk it wants to head to. And yesterday there was another car oncoming on a street and we both came to a stop mercifully because I really don't want to witness a squirrel being run over. Uh, and the squirrel just stood there. I mean, honestly, it almost got to the point where I was going to get out of the car and shoo the squirrel away so we could get going. Uh, but anyway, it just seems that at the moment the squirrels are, well, a little bit more squirrely. Here's some good news, because so much news lately has been, here's something else to make you feel miserable or something else for you to be anxious about. Uh, yesterday was a great day on the stock exchanges. Amanda Lang is going to be here a little later on this morning, and there's a lot of financial stuff to talk about with Amanda Lang. Uh, but one of the stories will definitely be... The signs are that inflation is improving, and the rally on the markets yesterday could be, but probably can't be, um, attributed to the results in the election, because crazy town was sent packing in the American election. But the more important variable was that inflation figures came out in the United States, and they were better Actually, it was uh, Consumer Price Index. Uh, Labor Department putting out the annual Consumer Price Index falling below 8% for the first time in eight months. And the prediction had been that it would not do so. So whenever you, as they say, beat the street, then that is perceived as very good news. And then people go out and start doing good news things. For example, the Wall Street and uh, Bay Street uh, seeing their biggest advance since April of 2020. This will come as a tremendous relief to an awful lot of people out there who check their stocks on a regular basis or your retirement fund on a regular basis. And it's been a really grim year. Now, everybody forgets that we were on such an incredible tear for a few years where everything was going up, 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 and we all loved returns of 5 and 10%. And then this year, a lot of that was erased, and all of a sudden, it became a crisis. Um, but still, uh, it was a very, very good day on the markets yesterday, and we can only hope that that continues. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.